Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you this week. And Justin, you're live from our Florida Bureau this week. Yes, li- live on uh, on site here in Pensacola Beach, working on a potential street race here in Pensacola <laughs> Beach. I love how you say this every year that you're working on the street course uh, set up there. Well, you know, it, these things take time and kind of lay the groundwork. And year after year, I come back to make another uh, another push at it. So, um, you know, they haven't said no, but they haven't said yes either. That's the key part. There, there's been no yes. So uh, you're enjoying some time on vacation uh, at the beach. So uh, calling in over the phone this week, but a lot to get to this week in IndyCar. You have... Another update on the IndyCar video game, an extension with the uh, entitlement partner, and uh, some concerts announced as well. Plus, we have a race to preview, so we'll dive right in. We'll start with the good news first. NTT and NTT Data back with IndyCar, an extension. Um, is This is a new deal set to start in 2024, a multi-year deal. Really, that's all we know as far as the terms, but uh, this has been a good partner, and they've outlasted Verizon and IZOD and FedEx now as far as previous uh, title sponsors across, you know, Champ Car, IRL, IndyCar, and so on. This is a, look, I get that I think people are critical because it's not a consumer brand like Verizon uh, was previously or even IZOD before that. But this is a company that's very dedicated to IndyCar and they've really done a lot on the technology side. Yeah, they have, and it's it's one of those boring sponsors, like you said. It's it's not like a a real consumer brand, uh, but look how how troublesome it's been to get a title sponsor for for Cup or NASCAR, and so the fact that this is just a almost a formality for IndyCar is is a great thing because we had so much drama with IZOD, is you know when would they bail, and then Verizon was a good partner for a while at least as a title sponsor, and then they went away. So it's almost the fact that uh, this is so uh, expected, I guess, is maybe something that um, we take for granted. We want to try to find a problem in the NTT relationship and people say in terms of activation and what they do, but it's just a different, it's a different company than IZOD or Verizon, right? So they have a different you know, approach to it, but it, this seemed like a mere formality to get them to re-up and it's a, a great Great thing for IndyCar to have such a solid partner to where there really wasn't any drama about this uh, coming together. So they've been the title sponsor, the original deal uh, in 2019. So this new deal begins in 2024. They've done a lot with technology and a lot of investment as far as in IndyCar. Obviously, a lot of that focus on the IndyCar app and then the different things that they're adding to the television broadcast and the ways fans experience IndyCar, even at the track, as far as the increase in the data that is available to fans at their fingertips, whether it's on their phone, on their laptop or computer, or just watching the race on TV, or even at the track for video boards. They've added new elements that we've not had before, and it only seems to get better and better uh, as far as more and more in-car cameras up to 11 this year for uh, the races. I'm sure there'll be a few more for the Indy 500 they're getting there. I think obviously the goal is to get every car, have an in-car camera for every race, but they're getting there and we're seeing progress uh, as far as the tech that goes into it. And that's what they do. They're a technology company and we're seeing that uh, transfer over for IndyCar. I think we all agree that we'd like to see more, at least on the app side of things and stuff, but really how much is that 
is NTT and how much of that is, is IndyCar. So um, great partner to have. You'd like to see IndyCar get to Japan for a race at some point based on the relationship with their title sponsor being based in Japan. But seems like both parties are pretty happy with um, the working relationship and the deal, and it's glad to have them on board for, for several more years at least. Yes, and the next thing that they're working on, so they've done a lot of development uh, with the IndyCar app that really started with Verizon and then have kind of taken that to a new level, which I I don't think a lot of fans really kind of saw that coming as far as more data in the app. And then now they're working on the fan experience and trying to work with some smart technology. Uh, They've done this previously as far as kind of traffic flow at gates for the Indy 500. Now they're working on concessions and improving that again, constant tweaks and improvements to the app. And this is, as you mentioned, I I think fans would love a race in Japan. I don't know if that's part of kind of what they want to do. If it was, I kind of figured we've already would have seen that, but maybe as IndyCar grows and the, the TV deal gets better, the health of the series has gotten better the last few years. I mean, it's not like it would have been easy to go to Japan in 2020 or even 2021 for that matter. So maybe that's something they're working on for the future that I think a lot of fans would like to see. But first and foremost, the tech side continues to improve. Now, are they uh, on the level of F1? No, but they also don't have the resources F- F1. And I, and I think it's safe to say they're at or above NASCAR when it comes to some of this stuff. Yeah, no, I, I would totally agree for that. It's a good point about, uh, about Japan. If, if they could have gone, you'd think they would have gone already. Um, but, but COVID obviously can, can put a, uh, a, a problem in that, a wrench in that, so to speak. So we'll have to see. But I, I think both parties are, are pretty happy with what they're getting out of it. And I think you'll consider maybe added reinvestment with the new deal and maybe IndyCar has laid out some things they'd like to see from NTT and probably vice versa. So uh, we'll see how this relationship continues to foster. But it's one of those things that, used to be a, a talking point that now is not a talking point, yet we try to make a talking point in the sense of title sponsorship and how uh, how hot and cold IZOD was and then Verizon, you know, seemingly on board totally and then and then going away and becoming just a Penske sponsor, uh, which they've been a great Penske sponsor. But um, we haven't had any worries about NTT. It wasn't even a thing. There was next to no concern about, oh, this, this uh, title sponsorship deal ends in X year what's IndyCar going to do? Because it was almost a formality that NTT would re-up. And I think that's the most positive part of it. Nathan Brown of the Indy Star has a good article on kind of how this relationship has formed and, and how it's grown over the years. Uh, Mark Miles is saying the off-season project as far as what they've done with the mobile app overhauls cost uh, Penske Entertainment $700,000, 140 data points, uh, look, this data is helpful, not just for fans, but for teams as well. And I think you can't discount that factor. And then now they're working on more smart venue technology as far as updates. Uh, I mentioned the concession aspect of it too, as far as kind of how you can help fans find shorter lines at concession stands and, and track stuff in real time. This is kind of the next step. And we're seeing that play out with this partnership and between NTT and then their U.S. subsidiary uh, NTT data Shell and the fully renewable fuel, which IndyCar is ahead of the game in motorsports on, plus Bridgestone and their parent company, uh, Firestone, and the Wyuli tires, the green tires. There has been a lot of progress on some things that 
not only for IndyCar are a positive step, but for motorsports are a big positive step. Absolutely. And we always tend to focus on the negative in terms of, of uh, the car development, obviously, with the old chassis. But there are some positive steps forward as well that we've seen. Uh, maybe some ancillary things in comparison to really bringing on a new chassis or really investing in some other things and some new, new technology or opening up the, the rule book, at least in terms of engine development a little bit. But overall, IndyCar taking some steps in the right direction, and NTT has been a part of that. But they have a long way to go, for sure. All right, so that's the positive side, and I think the fact that it's ho-hum that the title sponsors renewed their deal is a major positive because it's not something we were even concerned about to begin with. Unfortunately, on the negative side, you have uh, IndyCar basically officially announcing that the IndyCar game has been delayed at least a year into 2024. Now, I don't think there's any reason to believe there's any positivity on this front based on the troubles for motorsport games. Um, official word is the game's delayed beyond 2023, but you kind of wonder if this game's ever going to happen in the first place. Uh, Penske Entertainment statement on it. Motorsport Games has reported they continue to make strides in their development efforts. They don't believe they will be in a satisfactory position to release an IndyCar game this year. We are evaluating this information and remain thoroughly committed to bringing the best quality video game products to the IndyCar community. I think the first thing I'd say is, well, uh, if you can find a way, get rid of that exclusivity clause in the contract with Motorsport Games and get back on iRacing as soon as possible. Yeah, I'd be hiring the smartest attorney you can find to go through that contract and try to find any loophole, however tiny, to get the hell out of that exclusivity deal. Because this has been a disaster uh, for IndyCar. It was questioned when it, when it came about because of the uncertainty of the company in general in motorsport games. And the fact of the matter was it wasn't putting out great games anyway. It wasn't like this is an EA sports that has a, has a great tradition of putting out great games. It's just it hit some hard financial times. Motorsport Games hasn't been a beacon or a pinnacle of, of motorsport uh, video games at any time. So it was a, it was a dumb move to, to the exclusivity. iRacing was screwed over when we talked about that. And then we just, from people smarter than us and followed this more and more, uh, more than us, you could tell that there was just just no progress or next to no progress with this game, and you know people were getting laid off and people were complaining about not getting paid. I mean, it was a disaster, and so um, it's been a disaster for IndyCar. I, I I we posted on the Twitter like it, it, whoever made this deal should be fired if they haven't been fired already because it's been terrible for the sport and uh, has really set them back in the video game world. So. Who knows if this game even gets made ever. I'd be trying to get out of that deal as soon as possible. Yeah, and I, I think I have my doubts that it gets made now. Could uh, that be shopped elsewhere? Yes, but then you're starting from scratch once again where you're at least getting somewhere. They had released some renderings uh, a month or two ago, so you were getting something, and then it seemed like, well, that was a very rough draft kind of development teaser that was released. And now it just seems that's probably all we're going to get from motorsport games. Yeah, I don't see any progress anytime soon. And they've been working on this thing supposedly for like two years. And all we've seen is a, a few renderings, a few rough drafts, like you said. Like, they're a mile. We haven't seen any gameplay. We haven't seen any 
uh, game engine footage that's not technically gameplay, but just what the game engine's capable of, like none of that. And so you question whether even if tomorrow everything was hunky-dory with, with motorsport games, they would be able to release a game in 2024. Uh, that's how far away I think they are. So IndyCar needs to try to get away um, from motorsport games as soon as possible, but they might not be able to. Who knows? Yeah, that's kind of the the one thing is, can they even get out of the deal in the short term? And that seems to be, I think, the next question mark that we have with that whole situation. Moving on, uh, concerts set for Indy 500 weekend. Carb Day announced uh, this morning as we record it on Thursday morning, March 30th. Brian Adams will be the headliner for Miller Lite Carb Day. Uh, Soul Asylum will be the uh, opener act, so... Grammy Award winners uh, as far as the acts for Carb Day. This has been rumored out there. This is a pretty good get. And look, Carb Day is is finding an act that can kind of cross multiple generations. They've obviously done that uh, with this selection. They have. And, uh, you know, we, we can't get a second Canadian race on the schedule, so may as well have a Canadian artist come down to uh, the 500. So Brian Adams coming down from Canada and a dude that now, we know Summer of 69, a couple other songs that I'm familiar with. Um, and that came out in the early to mid-90s. But uh, a dude that's been touring ever since, been touring for a long time. So it's a good get, I feel, um, for Card Day. Meanwhile, for Legends Day, IMS will have the Saturday night uh, Legends Day concert at White River State Park. In downtown Indianapolis, Brad Paisley will be the headliner for that event. Uh, the other performance... Uh, for that, uh, for next year, Russell Dickerson and then Jackson Dean uh, will also be the guest artist along with Brad Paisley. So, uh, again, tickets for that go on sale Friday, March 31st for that concert. And, again, I know there's kind of a debate as far as, you know, should IMS host this event or not? Someone pointed out, I forget who it was, but it's different ownership. Legends Day concert, when they added that, at first was not under Pinsky Entertainment. Now it is under Pinsky Entertainment. They'd rather have it at White River State Park. That's fine. I guess I don't really have a problem with it. I know people who camp or staying in Speedway, maybe you're kind of frustrated by the move. But, I, I mean, you're putting on a big concert. You want to make sure you're ready for race day, which is literally the next day. It makes it tough for your staff. It gives them a bit of a break. Well, too, is, you know, this is in at night and or in the evening at, at least, right, on Legends Day. And let's say you have 20,000, 30,000 people at this uh, concert and you have multiple acts. And let's say it goes till 10 o'clock, 1030. And then people are, are you know, especially campers drinking and, 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 and partying afterwards. Like, you got to clean all that stuff up before the morning, right? Yeah, so, I think that's the biggest issue is like you got to give your staff time and that's a very quick turnaround because we're not talking, you know, we're talking like five hours to get everything ready because, I mean, staff are showing up, you know, 3, 4 a.m. for race day. Right. And we know Penske is is just uh, OCD about cleanliness and everything looking great and all that stuff for good reason. And the last thing you want to do is trying to be scrambled to clean up after a concert that that went late into the evening and then, you know, the party afterwards and whatever. So I don't think that's, that's something that I think some people are overlooking is, you know, somebody, somebody has to clean up after that. 
stuff and uh, doing it at the speedway near hours before gates open for race day, it's not ideal. Absolutely not. All right, time to preview the race at Texas coming up this weekend. Peacock, NBC, uh, your practice sessions Saturday, April 1st, 9 to 10 Eastern. Uh, so that's an early start time for practice. I mean, that's 8 a.m. local time uh, in the DFW area. Then qualifying 12.15 to 1.15 Eastern. Then they'll do that uh, rubbering in session uh, for, I think, the first half hour of this next practice session from 1.45 to 3.30, the final practice session Eastern time on Saturday. Then coverage starts at noon on NBC, Peacock. Uh, IndyCar Live internationally, Sirius XM, and IndyCar Radio and their uh, radio affiliates across the country. And then uh, the TV window until 2.30 green flag time. This is quick. Um, it looks like coverage actually goes till 3, but 12.10 is uh, roughly the green flag time. Yeah, an early start. And uh, should be reasonably, uh, weather-wise, reasonable temps. From what I've seen, so not definitely hot like when when we used to go to Texas deeper in the season and and in the summer. So it's a good setup. We're going to see how that rubbering in session goes. Can they make a a second line to race on? Would be key. Um, and also the the aero configurations that they're making available. So opening up to what ten more pounds of downforce. I, I don't understand the particulars. But basically, all I know is it's giving drivers and teams more options in terms of car setup. So, and that's a good thing. So hopefully between those two things, we can have an exciting race at Texas. And a look at some notes. So one, 28 entries expected for this weekend. And I believe that is the most for a race. You got to go all the way back as far as non any 500 most for a race. Ah, this goes back really, really far on the schedule since 2011. So most entries at Texas since 2011 with 20 entries. Got to remember we have Ed Carpenter, in an extra car uh, this weekend. So that's kind of the bonus. And then Takuma Sato at Chip Ganassi Racing uh, in uh, for Marcus Armstrong is Sato doing Texas and Indy for now. As far as the other oval races, the doubleheader Iowa and Gateway, that is to be determined as far as who will be in that car, even if they do run it. But that is a positive uh, sign to have a couple of oval aces to add to this. And our three key stats, courtesy of Chad 200 on Twitter as far as what to look forward to for this race. Uh, six of the 35 races, one from pole, last win from pole, all the way back in 2010 with Ryan Briscoe, uh, back when he was with Penske. Scott Dixon, five wins, 1,043 laps led. Only two other drivers have led more than 190 laps in Newgarden in his last five races at Texas. First, third, sixth, second, and first. Obviously, he's going to be a favorite going into this weekend. Yeah, uh, I, I think you look at Penske, it's interesting because this is the closest in terms of uh, an oval that you get to Indy, and I know it's two completely different race courses, but at the same time, Penske has struggled in Indianapolis, yet has really uh, dominated at Texas, and uh, we're going to get into uh, our picks, and I think it's tough to look gloss over anything, anybody at Penske, you look at Scott McLaughlin, who has two seconds in his three races uh, at Texas, including last year, starting second, finishing second. Of course, Joseph Newgarden won it last year. Um, yeah, Marcus Erickson finishing third last year. Could he be a guy that that uh, gets a dub? So Penske's performance 
at least with uh, with Newgarden and and McLaughlin and throw in power there. Been very impressive of late at Texas. So uh, another thing I want to get to before we get to our picks, as you mentioned, there's a really good article on IndyStar.com that Nathan Brown did uh, with the new guy in charge at TMS, uh, Mark Faber, who first came there for the first IRL race. He was with Gallus Racing, uh, part of that team, for that first race, and and then worked for the Dallas Cowboys um, for a time before that as well. It's a really good read talking about what they're trying to do specifically how they're not trying to be Iowa. Um, they're trying to be kind of more of a fan-friendly, family-friendly event. They don't, you know, they're not here with a bunch of concerts. Um, they're trying to do things a little bit differently. Uh, Pato Award had that special ticket offer with the ticket package for fans where you could get sweet space. Um, that that deal almost sold out. Uh, for $399, you get a hat, a jersey, garage access, and a spot in a catered suite for the weekend. Then also... Pato had a deal that fans who bought any item from his fan store received a grandstand ticket, uh, no matter what the purchase was. And apparently there have been hundreds who have taken advantage of that offer. So he's going to have a strong contingent of fans. And as far as where they're at for ticket sales, uh, making progress and trading positively on ticket distribution, certainly ahead of where we were last year. Well, you you would hope so, right? With that event. (laughs) Can't be much worse, right? But what's weird is, so you look on Ticketmaster and and where things are as far as event wise like it looks heavily sold that's that's the kind of bizarre thing um you look at kind of like where things are for the ticket sales for the event and it looks very very full now they've been adding tickets that also is reported they've been adding tickets in different areas and sections um where there's just more uh, space to open up but and it looks like they've added some more tickets from what I last saw the other day. But, I mean, it actually looks fairly full as far as on the, the main straight in front of the start-finish line. There's a lot more availability in the turn. So this is something that will be interesting to see, especially as you have you know those special blocks of tickets with different groups of people. But this is really the most important event as, as far as how the crowd compares year over year. Right for IndyCar, and if you have a positive direction, you expect them to find a way to be back. If it doesn't improve or it gets worse, this feels like the swan, swan song at Texas Motor Speedway for IndyCar. Well, it's always tough to see pre-sales because you know they open up certain sections initially, and then once they get those, what would you say, seventy-five percent full or something, then they open another section because they don't want to spread everybody out. Uh, across the entire complex because then they have to have ushers and all that stuff. So I don't know how much we can put in that it looks full as opposed to maybe they're just not opening up sections until they're full and then open up another section. But it can't be worse than last year. You hope it can't. It, it's not worse than last year. It's uh, a place – I don't put too much stock into, oh, the, the history of IndyCar there as much as IndyCar needs ovals, and it needs an oval at least one before Indy. And that's why this one is important. And I think it's a track that needed new leadership. As much as Eddie Gossage uh, loved IndyCar and loved auto racing, he's an old school dude and wasn't a guy that adjusted well to the changes of the motorsport world and the demands of consumers. And that goes across um, all, and not just IndyCar, but Cup as well. And, um, 
the new track owner or track runner seems to maybe embrace that a little bit more. And you hope they at least have a, 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 a crowd that's a step in the positive direction. I don't think all of a sudden we're going to see 50,000 people in the stands. But, you know, if it's appreciably better than last year, that's a great step in the right direction. Absolutely. And so some of the other features, so they have the world's longest belly up bar, the length of 10 football fields. You can uh, get a drink and watch on track action without leaving the grandstands. That's something they've added. Obviously they have big Haas and have had that for a long time, which is just, it's incredible. Uh, having been to a couple of races at that track for IndyCar, I mean, how great that video bar board is and also how distracting it is because you like, you go to these NFL stadiums, NBA arenas, and they have these giant video boards. You find yourself, if you're not sitting in the lower level, you find yourself just watching the video board because it's it's so helpful. <laughs> it's kind of, it's right. like almost become too good, right? Um, also, they have grab-and-go concessions with the local convenience store chain, Allsips, uh, that's very familiar out there in Texas. Um, they have a Lightning McQueen and Disney movie Cars uh, kind of experience activation space uh, for fans there. And then parking is free. Kids 12 and under are free on Saturday, just $10 on Sunday. So if there's a time, look, if you're in the area or find yourself with the ability to go last minute, they're trying to make this as fan friendly and family friendly. This is not the Iowa Hyvee weekend where a lot of people are just going for the concerts, right? This is, they want hardcore race fans to go out or at least bring your family, giving them the opportunity and they're making it affordable for families to do so. I think that's the key aspect. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at temps being in the mid-six, 70s on Sunday, also scattered thunderstorms in the forecast. So it may be uh, advantageous to race this, uh, this race earlier in the day. You know, as of today, it looks like um, the best chance in the mid-afternoon for some rain. So uh, that could throw a, a wrench or a different dynamic at this race, too. Um, but temperatures, though, and this is interesting, 75 degrees on Sunday, Caleb, 90 on Monday. So in that respect, <laughs> IndyCar fans dodged a bullet in the sense that it will not be uh, overly hot at Texas this weekend. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, picks for this race weekend. I think uh, this is a track where Scott Dixon's been really good. Um, you would expect Penske to be really good. I, I think kind of the wild card is Aaron McLaren. You know, Pato Award won back when they did a doubleheader, won one of the races in 2021. Felix Rosenquist won the poll last year for this race. Who is your pick for this weekend? Well, uh, I'm going Penske, and I'm going Scott McLaughlin. Solid choice. Nearly won it last year. Yeah, runner-up last year. uh, Doesn't have an oval win yet on his resume in IndyCar. Uh, Won at St. Pete, Mid-Ohio, and what, Portland last year? I believe so. His three wins. Has not won in an oval. Uh, I think he gets the dub on Sunday. He continues the the dominance of Team Penske in the last decade or so at Texas and uh, and moves one step uh, higher on the podium after a runner-up last year and captures the checkered flag and the dub on Sunday. All right, I'm going to go with Aaron McLaren. I know uh, a lot of people will be there rooting for Pato Ward. I'm going to go with Alexander Rossi, the newcomer. He had a solid first race. Um, this is a track where he is kind of boomer bust at Texas, but I, I'm going to go with Alexander Rossi to get the win in his first win at McLaren coming up on Sunday. I think it's, I think it's one of the storylines to watch is can he continue the good mojo from St. Pete? Is he going to be a consistent guy that's going to be up there or 
was St. Pete a flash in the pan? Because we've had teases of him turning things around in recent years with a win here or a good finish there, but uh, then it's dropped off. So I think that's a storyline to watch if he can continue the run that he started at St. Pete. All right, if you agree or disagree with us, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for the email list. It is free to subscribe. Uh, you'll get uh, emails with uh, episode updates and any, any other special announcements we make. You can also buy t-shirts and stickers via the store as well at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is IndyCarPodcast. Same handle on Instagram, on Facebook. Just search for New Track Record. Our email address, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. If you want to submit questions that way, you can do so. And you can also support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash NewTrackRecord. Thanks to Xavier, Rob Stitch, and several others for your support. Again, just starts as, at little, as little as $1 a month to support us on Patreon. And as always, you can follow us for free on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podbean, wherever you listen to podcasts, all for free. Mailbag time, Justin, we have a ton to get to. Not that that's a surprise based on the stories that broke in the last week or so. And and going all the way back to the beginning, uh, according to Stitch saying, uh, you guys are forgetting that particular track in Argentina. Already host MotoGP. The facilities and safety are surely up to par. And their date for MotoGP, it's coming up uh, this weekend, I, I believe, saying their date. This says April 3rd. That's probably April 3rd for us. I don't know what. That doesn't make sense. April 3rd, maybe May 3rd. That's a bit confusing. Uh, where MotoGP is down there? Yeah. Let me let me verify uh, that because I don't think they'd race on a Monday. For, for their uh, schedule. I wouldn't think so. So and April 2nd, it's just a typo, but they are at Autodromo Termas de Rio Hondo on April 2nd, which is this Sunday, same same as IndyCar. So yeah, I mean, it seems viable if they're going to race this time of year. Look, you can make it work time-wise. And but, but being a, a track that can host MotoGP isn't the same as hosting IndyCar. That's it's true. different safety features and, and stuff. So, yeah, maybe maybe the track is ready to go, but I wouldn't point to, well, it's hosting G- MotoGP, so it has to be ready for IndyCar. I, that's not necessarily the case. A lot of comments. Uh, we posted a poll. Will the IndyCar game with motorsport games ever happen? 90% of you said no. Uh, nearly 10% of you said yes, replies there. Arcole, I thought it was being developed at a targeted release year. Did I miss something? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Got pushed back. Uh, someone else saying, uh, and this is Faye underscore L-S-T-N-S-C-R-F-N. Uh, there's more that Motorsport Games didn't say because they swept it under the rug. They began to lay off the Australian studio that was developing the IndyCar game. Well, yeah, that's that's a problem. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, Rob underscore McMahon, 0% chance. NK Harden. A series filled with news of things that are unlikely to ever happen. This one tops the list. Jeremy from HBG. IndyCar will be racing in Cleveland, Hawaii, and the moon first. (laughs) (laughs) Hunter's Way 67. It's comical at this point, right? And uh, tipsy underscore cart. And this was earlier in the poll, but the fact 12% have hope should be banned from IndyCar forever. You got to have hope, right? I mean, you can't give up hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I just think right now, the landscape of the sport, you're better off being in iRacing and being, you know, downloadable content 
and people creating content through that as opposed to a dedicated platform type game. Uh, you're just not going to have somebody invest enough capital to make it happen. And quite frankly, I, I just don't know if there's enough interest to be a real, what they call triple A game, which is very much heavily invested in, in, uh, in creating it and, and a lot of time and effort and money into it. I, I would rather it just be uh, an iRacing thing that's run by people who love the sport as opposed to people just trying to make a buck. Cause I don't know if you can really make a lot of money on an IndyCar game. I, I, I seriously believe that. I know a lot of people out there that listen to this podcast will buy it, but is that enough to turn a profit on, on a really well-made game? And I, I openly question that. Like how many, you know, talking about sales numbers, like f- between five and 10,000 copies, like, you know, like we're not talking about a huge, market of people it's already a niche sport then you throw in the fact that they haven't had a video game for so long how do you get people who maybe weren't interested in indycar suddenly but i mean racing games can always kind of sell themselves and if they're done well maybe that that's the route you go but you got to get lucky in that aspect yeah you absolutely do and you look at um like f1 for example um the F1 game. So F1 22, and I'm just looking some rudimentary numbers here. Um, and, and it's a, it's a worldwide game and it sold, let's see, this was uh, F1 22. So this is July of 22. Um, let's see, sold over, let's see in one month, 377,000 copies around the world in one month. IndyCar would be and, thrilled to get a third of that. Yeah, a quarter, a quarter of that, that a, a quarter of that for all time sales for their game, right? I mean, it's just people that are casual watchers of auto racing, particularly open wheel, are going to gravitate towards the F1 game as opposed to the IndyCar game. That's just facts. So I just really don't know what the market is for a really Really good game. It's a, if it's a half-assed game that comes out, then what's the point? You know what I mean? So um, I just think it's an uphill battle to make a really, really, really good IndyCar game because I just don't think there's a market for it. Uh, Gene underscore 40 saying the person who negotiated the deal is already gone. Uh, Stealth 1014 just said no, never as far as uh, someone's getting fired for this um, as far as that. And then Jeremy from HBG, at least whoever decided ex- exclusive was the way to go, should have a stern talking to, have to find a way to junk that part of the contract. Look, y- yes, the, the key thing, right? Uh, someone else, Sig Domer, let's be honest, Pinsky may give them a race for not attracting new fans. Seems to be his favorite thing to do. Uh, I don't think so. I, I, don't I, don't think, that. I don't think they're that out of touch with this kind of stuff, but it's if it's true that that person's been let go, I guess the next step is finding a way to get out of that exclusivity thing. Cause that's the real backbreaker of the deal. Yeah. And meanwhile, they're still searching for a head of marketing. So I can imagine that would be part of that person's job or at least hiring the next person to try to um, make an impact in the digital world in terms of gaming because the previous person did an absolute terrible job. And you posted this poll because, it, look, we talk about these things all the time. Uh, what happens first for IndyCar? Third OEM video game return to Cleveland 
or Scott Dixon. Now, you said Scott Dixon the fourth, right? Not current Scott Dixon. Correct. And people, like I don't think people understood that because he, Scott Dixon the fourth retiring got 65.5% <laughs> of the vote. <laughs> or it really just shows the uh, the people's faith in the other three things happening. Also true. Uh, 12.5% for the video game, 115 for third OEM, 10% for return to Cleveland. Uh, Big D Cart said, or a new car design. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Rob underscore McMahon just saying it's frustrating. Aaron J. Richmond, third OEM will never happen. Our Cole option five, the 2024 season gets back on track after a seemingly months-long break after race one. Yeah, hopefully they can fix that next year, right? That's a key aspect. Yeah, let's go to Argentina, folks. Poet Shevchenko, uh, single-seat series that have gotten a new chassis and engine since IndyCar adopted the DW12. Indy Lights, Indy Pro 2000, USF 2000, and they even have new names now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for, for that do. matter. <laughs> <laughs> to put it in perspective. And uh, you, you talked about marketing, and that kind of ties into the next thing we want to get to as far as the, the mailbag options um, here in just a bit. Uh, our call saying, so the time my five-year-old is 16, we might get a game. Yeah, maybe. If we're lucky. Maybe. If we're really, really lucky, that could be a possibility. Um, someone, uh, I find this interesting. Uh, so this in regards to the title sponsor extension with NTT and NTT data. Uh, Daniel SCM 2004, all well and good. But what have they really done for the series other than a sponsor's check? The IndyCar app gets a refresh every 10 years. The fantasy game is an afterthought. No races in Japan. No connection to the U.S. I guess it's good we don't have to learn a new title. I think there's a lot of things behind the scenes that NTD does. But I think, I mean, yeah, what do they do other than the check? I mean, the check is a big deal for a series that needs checks, needs money. And it's a willing and able partner that is paying IndyCar to be the title sponsor. And Cup doesn't have that. Now, Cup is asking for a hell of a lot more money to be their title sponsor, but they don't have it. And I think it's to have a title sponsor, I think, is of paramount importance for this series. Any way you can get money. Now, you can question what IndyCar is doing with that money. Are they allocating that check to the right things? I think that's a question that you can bring up, and maybe there's going to be more synergy this second contract between NTT and IndyCar to make some things happen. But I don't think you can put all of it on NTT. I think the question should be, well, IndyCar, what are you doing with the capital that you're getting from NTT for that title sponsor deal? And I think that's a better question. Meanwhile, the search for a new uh, marketing leader for IndyCar and Marshall Pruitt had a tidbit in the racer.com mailbag saying last I heard, which was around St. Pete, no prime candidates uh, as far as a replacement for SJ Ludke um, for IndyCar to, to lead the marketing site. A um, lot of re- replies and responses here. Aaron J. Richmond, I feel the marketing this year is better than last year. Team S has been promoting this weekend's race a lot. Um, Bauer Racing saying, or nobody qualified wants the job. Jeremy from HBG. <laughs> this is off the wall thing. He volunteered to put little sandwich signs Advertising races on our numerous farm cats. Not sure if any of the mice, chipmunks, moles they encounter can read. Many do not survive an encounter. On second thought, they might be overqualified. Our call <laughs> saying maybe they're saving their marketing money so they can sponsor any car related podcasts in the future. Hey. Ooh, y- hey. You know, that, that we'll be first in line. Yeah, we will be in line. I'm sure we would not get the money, though. 
<laughs> no, after listening to one episode, they'd be like, no. No, no, yeah, no chance. You guys, uh, w- way too uh, straight shooters uh, for anything <laughs> on this. They're not, they're not sycophants, so no. no, we're not giving them money. Uh, you posted this poll as well. Uh, Team Penske and Ganassi have won six of the last seven IndyCar races at Texas Motor Speedway. Who gets the win? Penske, Ganassi, uh, nearly 65%. The field got 35% of the vote. And a couple of people, Jamin T14, uh, Pato Award, also Ramsey's underscore A underscore Perez. Also, Pato Award has something to say about this. So there will be a, a big Pato Award contingent at the track on Sunday. And I think that alone is growth for this event. Uh, Daguerre says, I think his teammate does, Felix will take another poll just like last year and win the race as well. I think the fact that they found a way to partner for a driver, and I don't think we see enough of this, but Pato Ward, what he's done at Texas, maybe this is a blueprint for other tracks where you can put together special kind of fan sections uh, for drivers. Exactly. I think the one positive I think you have with Texas and how big it is and how many how many uh, seats it has is maybe you can start having designated sections for drivers like we see in Formula One. And, uh, and hell, give them, give them some, some smoke to, to, to fire up. Hell, I don't care. Um, I think that'd be kind of cool. I, I don't know how much activation you would have, but I'm sure there would be people that would want to be in Pato section. And then you have the, the traveling Swedes who go around for, um, is it Marcus Erickson they travel for? Yes. Yeah. I mean, give them a section, right? Give Sweden a section. Give, so I think that'd be kind of cool and something unique that IndyCar could do and maybe build that at Texas as really being kind of the, uh, is bringing a lot of the fans together and having them sit together. It's it's not a required thing. If you want to go and just sit in the regular section, cool. Or if you have a favorite driver, you can sit in their section. I think that'd be kind of cool. So, yeah, I, I just think this is progress, and it's a unique thing, and maybe this is something we'll see more of in the future. So that's a look at the mailbag. And uh, speaking of the mailbag on the racer side, one other thing to get to that was interesting uh, Pruitt, Marshall Pruitt saying, I'd love to say the Northeast is a scheduling priority for IndyCar, but I haven't heard of any events on the horizon in the region. So, you know, does that include a Richmond? Debatable, but that means Pocono, Watkins Glen, or anything of that ilk, probably off the table. At least for now. I, I don't think it's a, oh, Northeast, we're not looking into the Northeast. I think it's, well, in the Northeast, we don't have anybody currently interested in running IndyCar. That's kind of the thing that, that people always kind of, uh, discount as they always say, well, IndyCar is not looking at this market or that market. I can guarantee you they've looked at markets and there's just no interest. And that interest has to go both ways. And right now there's no interest right now, it sounds like, in the Northeast, which I don't think includes Richmond, by the way. Yeah, I I wouldn't think so either. So a lot we got to get to on news and notes this week because there's just a lot of interesting announcements that have come down. Uh, Long Beach will host a premiere of CW's 100 Days to India ahead of uh, the Grand Prix weekend there, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood finally got Twitter verified. Now we'll see if that lasts after this weekend with the changes they're making on Twitter. The arrow screen will be around 20 pounds lighter. Jay Fry announcing that in a video posted on IndyCar's social media earlier uh, about a week or so ago. But they expect it to, with new technology to be around 20 pounds lighter for next year. And speaking of that, the reason why, well, they're going to have the hybrid engines, which will weigh more. Chevy and Honda completed a test at Indy on the road course uh, about a week ago. 
Scott Dixon will power driving again with the hybrid units. So this is not a hybrid test per se, according to motorsport.com, but they're at least working on components for the system. So hopefully we'll continue to see a lot of progress, especially once we get to summer. That's where you want to see a lot of development really kick into gear there. Yeah. And I, 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 we used to get the, you know, the, the Professor B videos, IndyCar yes. 101 stuff. I would love to see more of those. I, I think that's something that's kind of fall by the wayside because of IndyCar's focused on grasping new fans or dumbing down things so everybody can understand them. Give me more of the IndyCar 101s, the Professor B type stuff, because that's what's interesting. Looking at just on YouTube right now, okay, and... Looking at the last, let's see, uh, eight videos that IndyCar has put up over the past week on YouTube. The two most viewed uh, are the two arrow screen parts. Almost 8,000 on part one and almost 6,000 on part two. Go figure. The only thing close is the classic rewind, the 2002 uh, Texas race. I mean, people like that stuff. People watch that stuff, you know? yet we don't get a lot of it. Elsewhere, for Andretti Autosport, uh, Skip Barber Racing School has become the official racing school of Andretti Autosport. Uh, Development driver Sebastian Weldon will compete in the Skip Barber Formula Racing uh, Series. And Townsend Bell pointing out there will be a Weldon and a Bell on track coming up, uh, I believe, this weekend uh, on track once again. So... The first race actually is next week, so that's something to look forward to. That's a pretty cool deal they have there. Linus Lundqvist, meanwhile, he uh, did a test for Dragon Speed in their European Le Mans Series team So at, at Spa, so he's getting some seat time elsewhere. Again, he's texting, texting, testing at Texas Motor Speedway coming up on Monday after the race with Ray Hall Letterman landing in racing. That's something to keep in mind as well. And one other... Thing I want to get to, then we'll have an interesting kind of debate question. But Portland and they're hosting a Formula E race. I found this interesting. They have a title sponsor for the Formula E race in Portland. <laughs> it, yeah, right. Yeah, right. That, that, that's all I got to for... say. <laughs> I, I just uh, there was there was a day where over half the races didn't have title sponsors. The fact that Portland still doesn't is just mind-boggling because, oh, yeah, IndyCars, they got to be in the Northwest. There's so much interest, blah, blah, blah. Still no title sponsor. Especially because Green Savory Portland is promoting uh, not only the IndyCar race, but NASCAR Xfinity coming to PIR, and then you also have the Portland E-Prix coming in as well. Wild. Yeah. I, I found it interesting. Okay, so this is a great debate, and I've seen this pick up a lot of traction on Twitter. Black Flag Matter, Darian Gilliam, posting, give me three new tracks you want to see IndyCar race on. Now, it doesn't have to be new as in, like, new to IndyCar, but three tracks. So three tracks not on the current schedule schedule that you want to see IndyCar at. Okay. I am going to go Argentina is one. At the track they're looking at. I will go um, Circuit de Gilles-Neuve up in Canada. Okay, in Montreal. Number two. Yep, Montreal. 
And third, I want to see them at, let's see, um, I'll pick an oval somewhere. Let me think. Um, I'll probably go Richmond. Short okay. track uh, in a market that I, th- I think can be successful for IndyCar if they if they put a concerted effort into it. So that's my three. I'm going to go Argentina, I'm going to go Montreal, and I'll go Richmond. What about you? I will go Milwaukee. That's an obvious one. Michigan, just because, well, I'd have a free place to stay near the track, <laughs> and it's not that far for us to go up there. That's a pretty easy like drive. You're almost like a throw. Your wife's family lives like, yeah, like very it, close, I, right? I, yeah, it'd be... So between her mom, her aunt and uncle's little lake cottage, and then her grandparents' lake cottage, which are both like in the same area, like it, it'd be probably a half hour or less drive from from up there, if that. So it's yeah. very very easy. So that's one I'd like to see. And then the other, oh man, do I do I play this game? Cleveland? No, uh, I'm, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm um, kidding. <laughs> that's too obvious. I think the other one I would choose would be Richmond um, to get a race down there. It's it's a good track for IndyCar if they get the the setup right for cars and make sure it's the downforce and the tire wear are are, are right. I think that's another good one. I agree with you on that one for sure. Circuit Gilles Villeneuve would would be good just to have another race in Canada and then Argentina. Obviously, I think that one I kind of took out of the equation just because I actually think that one's going to happen. Um, now we've been burned before, right? They they got. Correct. Down the road with Surfers Paradise coming back a couple years ago, and ultimately, I guess that wouldn't have mattered with the pandemic, but I think they made a lot more progress though with Argentina compared to where they were with Surfers and the initial inquiry that that was. Here's a here's a what if going into the weeds. This is what we should talk about in the off season, or, or at least around the schedule release. So they if they add, let's say for sake of argument, they add both Milwaukee and Argentina for 2024. Would any races drop off, or would they go to 19? Would they drop the second uh, street course race, or could another race drop off, or do you think they they would stick with 19? Ooh, that's tough because a lot of the teams have said they they don't have enough as far as investment and in, in sponsorship, you know, to go much more than 17 races. Now, if their travels paid for for Argentina, I think you kind of get a pass on that one, right? Um, but Which beyond I think that, it's going to have to be a requirement yes. for for IndyCar to go down there. I, I would think I so too. I don't, I don't think it should be a requirement, but I think that's what's going to happen. Yes. I think for IndyCar's health, it, 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 as far as monetarily with the deal, it would have to play out that way. You know, I, I'm going to say there will be a race dropped, whether it's Texas, which I think we'll kind of get a, a picture of after this weekend, or perhaps they, they drop one of the IMS road course races. I mean, they're only doing Ooh. that. Think about this. There's talk of, NASCAR going back to the oval for next year. So maybe that right. would get dropped, which I would love to see a scenario where if, if, if cup alternates oval road course, which I think is a good idea for cup at Indy, I would agree as you alternate years is maybe IndyCar races, the road course on those years in which cup is at the road course. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be fine with me. It's just, I mean, that does help get a, a bigger crowd, but look, they're not going to have another IndyCar race on the Oval IMS outside of the Indy no. 500. That's that's a non-starter. Not at all. So on the years that Cup is racing the road course at Indy, they would also have an IndyCar race there. But on the on the years they're racing the Oval, IndyCar would not be there. 
I could see it. I don't. I don't know if that's something. Look, I feel like that's hard to promote, right? As far as will there be an IndyCar race this this year or not, and fans will be confused. I guess that's the one downside to something like that. I guess I have a uh, more respect for people not being that dumb. Hey, they're on the <laughs> oval, then they're not racing. They're yeah. on the road course. They're racing, but that's I, true. I do hope that the first race to go away in the event that IndyCar adds and wants to take away would be that second road course race. It's pointless. I would fully agree. It's one of those, it's one of the, the only races of the year where I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm going to watch this race. It, it's like, to me, like every race is great, obviously, but to me, that's the, the most difficult race to get excited about. I would fully agree just because they've already raced there a few months before yeah, and it's already raced usually not that exciting of a race. Now we've had a few good no. ones of the last few years, but by and large, not that exciting. There's more, the, the first road course race is all about maybe more the anticipation of the month rather than being excited about the road course race necessarily. Meanwhile, uh, tweets of the week, one uh, tweet to get to. So Daniel Suarez was fine. $50,000. Uh, for running into his teammate, Ross Chastain, and then also Hendrick driver Alex Bowman on pit road in the NASCAR race at Coda last weekend. So he posted a picture of the meme, uh, current financial status, and it's using a Sharpie to draw a Nike logo on a white tube sock. <laughs> Thought that was hilarious. That's our tweet of the week this week. All right, and with that, time for our random split era driver of the week. All right, we're going, I don't think we've had this guy yet. We're starting to get into the weeds. And I have to look at my list more, but we're going to 2000. The um, you could say it's the IRL or you could say the Northern Light Series, Caleb, and we're going with uh, a Brazilian Zach Morioka. Who? Zach Morioka raced for one in one race uh, for TriStar Motorsports in 2000 in IR in IRL race at Texas. So this is fitting heading into Texas weekend. His one race finished 15th for TriStar Motorsports in 2000. If you look him up on Wikipedia, there's absolutely nothing on no. him. There's nothing. It, it um, is the second Texas race. Yes. Texas 2, as they say. Now, if you go to driver database, there's a little bit more uh, information on him. In 1997, he was the Formula Ford 2000 national champion. Uh, he entered 43 races officially as a, a professional driver and won three times um let's see two of those wins came in 97 in that formula four and he won in 1996 also in formula ford uh did that one race with tristar motorsports uh texas two uh a who's who of racers for that team including jared schroeder dr jack miller and robbie unser the and racing uh, Zach Marioka was only in that one one car uh one race all right. Well, that's our random split era driver of the week. And Justin will go back to enjoying his beach time uh, for now and, and poolside time in Florida. Next week, we'll be back to recap the X. Uh, wow. I almost went with last year's title, the PPG 375 at Texas Motor Speedway. That'll be next week here on the podcast for Justin Kinney. I'm Caleb Hatch. Thanks for joining us on New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.